Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode 218, part two. Uh, we, we recorded half hour in uh, for the first take, and uh, Evan's computer sh- freaked out. And uh, yeah, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best situation there, was it? No, I mean, I, th- I feel like we put together like quite a significant rant on the Everton 12-point dedu- deduction thing. And why City are basically Osama bin Laden, and it just like is just was gone. We were talking about the first match. We're, we're at the end of the Spurs Wolves breakdown, and I go to pull up and see who scored in the United game, so we can move on to the next one. Computer freezes. I'm like, oh Matt, uh, we lost you because you know everything was still working, and then I realized my screen was fully frozen. And there was a loud humming in the background, which I guess was my computer. So, yeah, we I, I fucked that one. Sorry about that, lads. It's all good. It was all passionate. It's just what everybody's going to wonder what we were going to say. But Oh, I'm sick we lost it. I'm fucking mad because yeah. it was a good rant. Yeah, Everton, 10-point deduction, puts them in 19th position, tied with Burnley on four points. Uh, they're, they've been in good form, so that all cancels out. But potentially we're going to see them appeal that and get it reduced to maybe half of the points there and put them in a decent situation. But uh, we'll probably update on that next week so we don't stay on the topic too much. But yeah, uh, overall record-wise from last week, I should say, I uh, just remembered, uh, Evan 7-3, and three, Zach and I 6-4, and four, both keeping us on track with positive records moving forward. Uh, let's touch on this Wolves-Spurs game again. Wolves 2-1 win. Uh, Spurs came out hot, third minute, Brennan Johnson in the third. And then Pablo Sarabia, the man of the match, 91st minute goal off Acuna assist. And then he assisted the winner, Tamara Lamina. Uh, we touched on this, Madison Vandeven out to injury. Um, Romero Udogi suspension, completely yep. new team for Tottenham out there. They had half their bench is 18-year-olds that aren't first-team players normally. Um Two straight losses as well for Tottenham. They're just in the top four. What's the next couple weeks look like for them, and what do you think the best-case scenario is for them to find somewhat success until they can get these guys back from suspension at least? you got to nick as many wins from the shit guys on your schedule as you can until Venomin and Madison come back. The only hope that Spurs have of salvaging a top four finish, because I genuinely think without Vandevin and Madison, they're they are on the border of a top four team. Like, Angel's very good. They still have Sun. But if you have Eric Dyer back there and Ben Davies back there, you're, yeah, I mean, it's a dice roll on if you're going to be in the top four on just Sun and Angel alone. So your best bet, for continuing your very successful season um, is, you know, get as many points as you can from the shit clubs. And this is kind of a shit club and they didn't get the points they needed. But um, yeah, you got to beat up on the shitters until January when you're going to get uh, Vandevin and um, and Madison back. If that means go into a low block, don't concede, then that's what it means. You cannot have any matches where you don't take a point or else... I mean, I know the, the hope this year was like top two, top three, maybe win the league. They looked that good. And now this things come crashing down, essentially, with that uh, the suspension, then Udogi out for a game, and then you have the Madison and Vandevin. I mean, you got to start winning some games. Uh, otherwise, the other teams are just going to lap you, I think. Yeah. Udogi will be back for their next one. Where yeah, next one. Yeah. They'll be hosting Aston Villa after that. They're on the road to Man City. And then they get two home games back to back, hosting West Ham and Newcastle. So I don't see any gimmies there. Oh, that's hellish. Yeah. Uh, after that, they have Forest, Everton, <laughs> Brighton, Bournemouth to end the end this year. So, right, so that's three cup, kind of cupcakes. And that's all in the middle of uh, the Christmas period, where they'll have games three, four days apart. So, and with the depth they have right now, with all the injuries, that's not going to be going well for them. So, we could see Tottenham outside the top four enter in the new year potentially if. United, Newcastle, and Brighton can put some stuff together here. Uh, yeah. Touching on Wolves puts them in 12th, 15 points, only one out of the top 10. They are they have five or sorry three wins in their last six, only one defeat there. 
Gary O'Neill and the club overall have been getting screwed over. But uh, this team's looking decent without Pedro Neto now. Yeah. No, they uh, they really are. Once they get him back, I mean, I don't know what his injury timeline's like, but uh, pretty sure that was a that was kind of a serious injury that he had. Um, yeah, it was a hamstring they, injury, non-contact. Yeah, there's, but there's nag, so. I don't, I don't think he needs surgery. I heard Vandevin doesn't need surgery on his either, so potentially maybe a month to two months at that. Yeah. Well, this could be really, really scary if Huang Hee-chan stays in form, um, Cunha plays well, and their defensive line is all right, uh, or back line, rather. Um, Wolves is going to be scary uh, once Neto comes back. All right, moving, okay. <clears throat> moving on, yeah. Manchester United loot in here. You want to bring us in on this? I know you probably have a lot to say. Yes, yeah, so uh, my computer did crash when I pulled this game up. I just, I just realized that. Um, so perhaps, you know, there's something to be said there. I know Manchester United and I haven't gotten along this year. Um, they get a 1-0 win here against Luton, but they look fucking shit. I mean... This is the story every week. Rasmus Hoyland can't score. He stinks. Uh, Garnacho, mid. Fernandez, mid if it's not a penalty. Rashford, ghost. Absolute fucking ghost. They're getting their goals from the midfield, defensive midfielders, and fucking center backs. Victor Lindelof, who has is not a regular starter in this team, being the only one who jumped on a loose, rattling around ball that McTominay fluffed, DM, and then your fucking center back is the only other one in the box to finish it. Hats off to Lindelof, doesn't get a ton of time these days, great finish, way to win your team three points, but good lord, this team stinks. Luton Town, I mean, they're fucking awful. They had 35% possession, Four shots on target. Somehow they're not in the relegation zone. And United are out here playing like it's fucking United Liverpool in 07. This shit is not that hard. How are you nicking a win with a center-back goal against Luton Town? It doesn't matter that you got the win. It's fucking embarrassing. And it was embarrassing when Liverpool did it, too. This is putrid. And I'd say the same thing of my own club. Fucking embarrassing. Uh, if I had to ask you to guess which team in the league has earned the most points in the last five games, I know it's United. <laughs> yeah, they've earned. They fucking look like shit still. They've earned twelve points in their last five. I know, all being dicey games. Two-one wins over Brentford and Sheffield. That Sheffield being the McTominay double, and then two-one nil squeakers against Fulham and Luton. They're beating the teams they need to beat but by barely, and then they're getting blown out by, by the good teams. Uh, there was a 1-0 Palace They're the Dallas there well. Cowboys. Yeah, that's a good comparison. It's another team that I fucking hate. Yep, they It's have a, crazy. They have a negative, goal, negative three goal differential. They're the only team in the top eight with a negative goal differential. They've only scored 13 goals this year, which is in the bottom, was that the bottom six teams in the league? They're right on pace there with Palace with 12, Bournemouth and 11. Everton have scored more than United. Yeah. Everton have scored more than United. That's insane. Looking back at the game and watching it live, United should have had four or five in this game, the amount of chances. Right. Hoyland but... on the line twice, Rashford and Garnacho had wide open set piece balls for them. Hoyland set. Uh, Garnacho and he scuffed it and then Rashford got a nice ball from Anthony kept it simple this game I didn't see too many tricks from him he scuffed it right at, at uh, Kaminsky who played out of his socks here yeah I mean on a serious note I do want to say I think Rasmus Hoyland is actually going to develop into a good player um, he's shown you in, in the Champions League ties like he's he is good he, he can score it's not like he has an inability like Anthony Martial who we actually can't score. Um, but you got to start doing it like sometime, dude, because it takes a lot of pressure off of the rest of your team when they know if they feed their ball into their striker, into the main man, that he's going to score. And until like he starts to get on the score sheet, developing some confidence, um, it's, like it's just like so helter skelter it's so sketchy every united game is sketchy as fuck and the funny thing is like 
I've been betting on them, and like you said, they've been winning the games. But I'll check my account and be like, fuck, dude. I How? I, I watch the whole game, and then I'm like, I click away for a minute, and I go back, and they scored on some, like, cringe little bounce-around-the-box set-piece FIFA goal. It's just, like, the, the run is going to end soon because you can't play like this and expect, expect to get rewarded for it. It's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. I'm sure your brother feels the same way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Their next five, they they go to Everton, which is a team I would not want to play next. Uh, Fuck no. Massive game at Galatasaray where they need to get a point or a win here to keep them in, in the chase to qualify for the next round of the Champions League. And then they're at Newcastle, and then they get three straight home games. Uh, host Bournemouth, Bayern Munich, and Chelsea. So, um, yes. Yeah. It's not getting. They're losing all those easy games potentially, and then uh, I mean, they're the only team without a draw as well. Seven wins, five defeats. Yeah, I mean, I I'm a diehard Arsenal fan. I have been for a long time, um, and when I watched, I've watched the Beckham documentary through twice now. By the way, it's so good. If you guys haven't watched it, like, please go watch it. It is. It's genuinely that good. I really, really enjoyed it the first time. I watched through it a second time to see just just to kind of like when I'm chilling at night because I like his voice, which is uh, maybe pause, but uh, I've always loved Beckham. And when you look at the clips of the United teams back then, there was not a hole. There wasn't a hole on the pitch. Like everybody contributed. So many people scored. It's just the league's obviously changed, but the DNA of who United were all the way up to really like Louis van Hall when they won the league in, well, I guess it was Fergie, wasn't it? In 13, that was the last league win. Yeah. This, this club is unrecognizable, unrecognizable. It's, it's a shame because so much of the Premier League's history is written uh, within the lockers of, of Old Trafford. It's, it's tough. I want them to be better. I believe their CEO is stepping down now and, uh, good. Potential, apparently Sir James Radcliffe is acquiring 25% of the club. I think we might be seeing serious changes come the new year. They need it. Is what I've been hearing and reading. So he he's a fan of the club. He's currently he's in charge of Nice and Ligue 1, and they're first in there. And that league, yeah, they're good. PSG. So just some change in the back room, and, and I'm sure he'll take a large part in trying to get the football back to where it used to be. So uh, we might be seeing what Chelsea did this summer. A lot of dead weight getting kicked out in the summer potentially, but they, they're probably going to need what Chelsea did. They need a lot of help from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And can we fire – no, I say we. As a Premier League fan, uh, Ten Hag for sure like has to go, right? Like, he sucks. No. He's he's passionless. No, man, don't. He has no passion. No, that, not I'm not saying in. me. I just think I think he's getting backing from, from the new ownership or group coming in. I think they're going to give him time to keep it going. I, oh my he's, God. he's won the most games in his first 50 matches, they said, in the club's history. Like, he's earned the I most know. points. Like, this guy's setting records, but every game they don't perform well. Even when they win they're still getting criticism. It just shows how big they are in the culture and just in, in English football in general. Just yeah. the, the the tier of success they required. I mean, Chelsea spent a billion pounds in the last year and a half and don't have any sort of, or anywhere near the expectations that United fans have for them. I mean, it's crazy. We're in tenth right now. We're we've been mid table all year, and nobody's really gotten on our ass. I guess that's fair. Um, maybe United are an easy target because of how good they were, but Chelsea were. I mean, they were sick. Like there was there was many years within the last decade that Chelsea were a fucking juggernaut, and. I don't. I think I've given them some some you know flack, but definitely not as much as I've given United. United gets the most stick and most negative criticism on here out of all the teams. Yeah, because they were about. such fucking assholes when they were good. That's why. Yeah. And and back then it was kind of the same thing where they like eked out wins in games that had 
strange stoppage time awarded. Uh, and a lot of that is like Fergie stuff that I don't really want to get into. Because I actually like, I do like Fergie. I always did. Mm -hmm. um, it's weird. It's super weird. But we'll we'll talk about Chelsea as we get on. Like we'll talk about passion. Moving I, on. I, I yeah. I there's something cooking there, man. Something, something, and I'm loving it. Uh, we move All on. Right. Crystal Palace two, Everton three. Absolute barn burner. Uh, this win was essentially neutralized with the news today. Um, <laughs> Mikalenko again with an early goal in the first minute. Two games in a row now. He scores from a Harrison cross. Instantly uh, replied by Eberiche Eze, earning a penalty and scoring on it. Uh, nice little stutter step, caught Pickford's lacking. Didn't even move. Uh, 49th minute, Ducore gets the lead again. Potential offsides, but Far deemed it to be good goal. Uh, 74th minute, equalized by Alton Edward. Lerma assist. And then the winner in the 86th minute, Ducore slips a nice ball in behind for Idrissa Ganagay to slap it home for the winner. Everton, another win on the road. Three wins in the last five. If you take out the whole point deduction situation, they're still playing really well. They're getting results on the road. Not as much as home. Um, and then Palace, on the other hand, they drop more points again. We saw Elise come off the bench here. Uh, his return wasn't at, full, wasn't at full speed. Obviously needs to get his legs back. The international break is going to help him. Um I guess starting with Palace here, we talked about Everton a lot. Where where are you seeing Palace right now going into the net, the Christmas period here? We don't have any more international breaks until mid January, I think. Yeah, I mean Palace are right in the spot that you want to be in. Uh, voice cracked there a little bit. Uh, as he's back, doesn't look like he's lost the fucking step. He's been sick in the two games that he's played. One, this is this was a start, got an assist, and then he. Uh, or got a goal, and then he assisted in the last game. He looks great. Alisse back. They're they're kind of working him his way in, um, just so that he doesn't get re-injured. He was out for a long time. We should remember that. Uh, Palace look really good. Controlled possession. I think they're maybe not in a great spot in the table, but they're in 13th. I mean, they're level on points with Wolves, uh, who've been very very frisky this year as well. I think uh, if you're if you're Palace right now, if you're Hodgson. Uh, you're absolutely thrilled that you got your guys essentially the rest they needed at the beginning of the season with Eza and um, and Alisse being out. And the, the, I, I know I talk about those guys a lot, but like that's kind of the whole offense. They really do control everything. Uh, they're both so creative. So, yeah, I mean, with those guys being back um, and, and kind of rested uh, for the holiday period, I think you're kind of right where you want to be as Palace. They probably want to be a little bit higher. They've They've launched some games away. This was one they could have won, but I don't think there's any concern there. I think Roy's doing a good job, and I think uh, in general, I know the last couple of games haven't been great, but they're they're going to get back to it. They'll be all right. Yeah, their next three are great for them to get some points out of. They come back from the break. They, they're they traveling to Luton, then they travel to West Ham, and then they get a home game against Bournemouth. They need to get as many points as they can from those three matches because after that, their next six at Liverpool, or sorry, they host Liverpool, at City, host Brighton, at Chelsea, host Brentford, at Arsenal. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, it's going to be a tough run there, but they need to get three points here against Luton coming up. Everton, get the win, keep it going. Uh, guys on the bench are contributing as well. We talked about in the part where it got clipped, and just a good overall core. Uh, I did mention potentially with the situation going on, Thoughts could be going into players' head come January. Maybe they dip out on the project. Um, I guess just to reiterate what you said for everybody that obviously didn't get to hear it, what do you think about that? You go ahead and repeat that because my mic is cutting in and out. Uh, with the whole point deduction situation going on at Everton, it could play on the minds of the players and the staff yeah. to lose that, lose faith on the project. And in January, potentially players might want to hand in tra transfer requests because they may think they get they might get relegated and they don't want to drop to the championship where obviously your pay gets cut. Yeah, so we mentioned this before uh, we got cut off the last time. Uh, Everton are in a great spot in terms of form. They've got three wins in their last five, um, a total of 11 possible or 11 points gained out of 15 possible in great shape. The 12-point deduction obviously kills them. They're now in 19th on four points. However... I think this galvanizes them. 
if they were, you know, five losses in their last five, and then this happened, sure, I can see how maybe uh, some of the guys would lose faith. But I think with the addition of DCL, you know, him coming back, um, and Deich having them playing some slightly more attractive football than what they were playing at the beginning of the season with 10 behind the ball, basically, um, they, I think those guys are bought in. I think... They like Dyche. I think the club likes Dyche. And I think they finally have somebody in DCL that can bang goals in at a reasonable strikers clip instead of, you know, relying on James Garner and uh, players of, of that sort of, you know, quality. I think they're he's good as well. But um, getting DCL back and being in good form is huge right now. I think this galvanizes them. And they uh, continue to kind of press on as a unit. I, I think Everton will stay up this season. There's no question about it. The other three, Luton, Sheffield, and Burnley are so bad that there's just there's no way that Everton don't stay up. All right. A lot of ball left to play. We still got 26 games left in the calendar. So anything can happen. Moving on. Arsenal, three. Burnley, one. Take it away. Um, Yeah, I mean, another master class. Uh, pretty quiet first half. Uh, kind of felt Burnley out. They broke actually a couple of times against us, but yep. we were able to negate it. I think Zinchenko had a, a fantastic game. Tomiyasu slotting in for Ben White, who's injured. And then Saliba, I mean, he's always going to be good. He got a goal. We got two goals from defenders in this game. Um, I mean, like, they just, they look good. Uh, it was a really quiet start. We turned it up at the end. Uh, everybody got involved. Trossard getting the start in there for where Nketiah normally would be. He opened the scoring. He got a goal and stoppage time in the first half. Uh, Brownhill struck back, and then uh, Arsenal decided they wanted to close the game out convincingly. Saliba in the 57th, and then Zinchenko in the 74th. Zinchenko was so good going forward. He had a good defensive game, but he is certainly a liability. I am once again asking Arteta to move Zinchenko into where now Jorginho is making his home, get him out of the team, sell him in January, and put Zinchenko in a DM, and maybe throw Kivior out there uh, playing left back, or move Gabriel out there when Ben White is back, or just put Ben White back there and start Tomiyasu on the right. There's There's got to be a way to get Zinchenko more involved going forward. He's really, he is very solid as a defensive midfielder. His work rates are high on both ends of the ball. He gets caught out. He's not a sick defender, but he could probably be a decent deep-lying playmaker, which is what they're kind of looking for uh, in with Jorginho right now. And move Havertz to the bench, too. I mean, he's fucking shit. Um, good game, though. Uh, I have no complaints about a 3-1. Burnley, they kind of stink, but, you know, at least we, we put yeah. some goals on the board. I don't think kind is right. I think they do. They're dead last, negative 21 goal differential, only one win, one draw, 10 defeats, five straight in a row now. Uh, questions for me specifically with the manager and the style they play. They're sticking true to it week after week and are still getting the same results and the same play. Um, I would say this is a case of insanity. You try the same thing Somebody over and out. over. I mean, it's we're getting to that point where... If they're serious about staying up, they need to do it now. If they want to be a yo-yo club for the next two years, then that's a that's a business decision for them because they'll get the parachute payments for a year or two. But, um, yeah, it's not looking too good for them. They did get in a couple times, as you mentioned. I saw the Goodmanson uh, chance. Rye had to make more saves than I thought he would. Koleosha was a big problem down the left once again. Uh, he had Tamiyasu there on the, on the goal for Burnley. He pulled him down controversial there but key player for them moving forward that they need to keep getting involved and hopefully Lyle Foster's back from whatever he is dealing with now with his mental health uh whatever that may be but uh last thing before we move on from this game Fabio Vieira red card yes or no he sucks dude he stinks that guy's a liability well you won't have to see him for the next three so good fucking see you buddy what Havertz is better than him unless Odegaard comes back he had a concussion. He'll be back. Okay. All right. So he, uh, they didn't want to say it, but he got kicked. The ball was kicked in training directly at his head. Oh. <laughs> and he had a fucking concussion. He was out for 
two or three games, I think. He we missed also, the midweek clash too against Sevilla. We also saw in stoppage time in the second half in this game, Kivior kicked Jorginho right in the face with his studs. Yeah, good, good, yeah. fucking good. <laughs> so I don't know how that he's He's a fraud. <laughs> he's yeah. a fraud. Would you believe if I told you he finished third in the Ballon d'Or one I, year? I would, I would. And I thought it was crazy then, and I think it's even crazier now. Yeah. Just because of that fucking run that Italy had. Broad run. The top. England should have won. He was a top scorer for us for two years. All pens. He stinks. He's, he's not good. Uh, speaking of a team now not doing good, Bournemouth 2-0 win over Newcastle. Newcastle, oh. first loss in a while, but a lot of injuries. A lot of injuries. Dan Burnout for two months. Uh, we have the midfield is in crisis there. Gamarez was suspended. Joe Willock's now back in there. Uh, no Callum Wilson. He's out for a month. Isak also out for this game. So Lewis Hall got a start at left back. Nice to see for him. He did great in the first half, but got rotated for Livermento in the second. Um, but no score in the first half. We saw Dom Solanke get a brace in the second. 60th minute, I watched the replay because I was a little bit foggy from what happened. Uh, Semenyo took a bad touch into the middle. Got a lucky deflection off a bad tackle from Willock. Put Solanke in for a nice near post shot. And then in the 73rd minute, Solanke with a two-yard tap in on the goal line on Pope. Sealed the deal. After the game, we saw Trippier go over to the away fans. And the fans were screaming at him. And his response was, we have so many injuries. We can only do so much. And they're playing on multiple fronts with the Champions League as well as the Premier League. And... I believe they're still in the League Cup as well. That game should be coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, I think they play Chelsea so in the quarters, so that's a huge game for them as well. But they're dealing with a lot now. Um, what are you thinking about here? Because we saw a lot of young boys on their bench too. I mentioned with Tottenham, these guys also. with I think they had two goalies on their bench. Yeah, they did. Um, I don't know, man. It's It's not looking great. Uh, for Newcastle right now, I I bet on this game because I kept seeing the line move and move and move and move. Newcastle opened at like minus one seventy five. By the time kickoff, they were minus one oh five. And I said to somebody because there was a bunch of us in the chat that that had money on Newcastle. I said something fucking weird is gonna happen. They're either gonna draw or they're gonna lose. And that's what that's what happened. There's a ton of young guys in the team now. Uh, Miley, uh, Lewis Miley, I think he's 17. Yeah. Born in born in Gateshead, so pretty local. And then you had Lewis Hall too, who's only 19. He's a Chelsea boy, isn't he? Yeah, we sold him there for 30 mil, I think. But yeah, he did good in the first half. He got. Pulled. Yeah, it was all right. I don't know why they pulled him out, but they had, they have to do deal with Anthony Gordon now at the nine since Wilson's out until he's separated. You have to get Isak back soon. He's got to play. I actually don't think he played for Sweden the other day either uh, in their Euro bid. They, like, that's the team I root for when they make it into the Euros because I'm Swedish, but um, it doesn't even look like they're going to qualify. It's such a huge loss. They're in such a, they're in such turmoil right now because of the injuries. Um, Lascelles is in there now. I mean, he's 30. He's experienced, but he, he lacks a little bit of the uh, fervor that Dan Byrne does. Like... It's it's not good, man. It's really not good, and I don't know how Eddie Howe um, is going to deal with all of these injuries. I think Newcastle will be okay, obviously, but their Champions League uh, like start against PSG, they looked so good, and then they're, they've kind of come screeching to a halt in the Champions League, too. Um, that, that first year of um, fixture congestion, which they haven't had to deal with in a long time, is catching up already. Yeah, they're last in the group on four points. Um, their last two games, I think they have to play PSG and Milan. Um, the PSG game, I think, is away. The Milan one's home. So they have to get at least a win out of those two to even make it into the Europa League. So it's not looking too good for them in that sense. But Bournemouth, on the other hand, massive 2-0 win at home. That's two wins in their last three. They're, what was that? They're four points clear of the drop. Uh, they're, they're number nine getting a brace is what they need. Neto back and goal after an injury. Uh, it was looking good for them. Overall, great performance. Iraola redeeming himself a bit, giving himself more time. The fans staying true. Um, 
what do you think about the team there? They have Sinister coming off the bench. He they acquired him from Leeds, uh, and Otara's now back from an injury as well. So they're looking like they're they're bouncing back here. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm still like not really bought in. They've got two in their last three, so we can't really you know uh, beat on them too much. And they were definitely the better team in this game against Newcastle. I still just like kind of worry because. They just dropped Billing like all the way. He he was a yeah, full drop. A I, I I don't know what happened. Yes. I don't know if he's actually injured because he wasn't even on the sheet. If like, he if he I, was fit, he plays. So that's what I'm saying. Like I, it must have been disciplinary because we would have heard if there was some sort of injury thing and he was left uh, out of the squad because of that. It's, it's saying it's listed as a quad quad injury he was he he was seen training with the teams during the international break and he's looking to make a return in their next match coming back from the break where they're going to be playing at sheffield united and out of all the teams in their next six they have the easiest to me they play sheffield villa palace united luton and forest so a great time for them to to get points if they don't get a majority of those points i think it's going to look bad for them but now that yeah. Everton got pulled down below them, they're looking more comfortable. That's true. I mean, with Bournemouth, the issue, well, the, they had multiple issues. One, the first being they couldn't score. Obviously, a huge issue, big time. The second one being their defense is really, really poor. Max Aarons has been terrible. Sinesi has been awful. Max Aarons bringing that Norwich energy. Yeah, Neto has been horrific. To get a clean sheet, to not concede against Newcastle, who are a good side, partially because Elmer got injured, that's part of it, um, that's a big confidence boost, no doubt about it. If they can limit the amount of goals that they leak, which has been astronomical, I mean, I think they played Arsenal and City back-to-back, conceded nine goals. Like, You can sit in a low block and not concede like nine goals against those two teams. Um, they, they just make so many... up with three given up to Everton, too. Yeah, they make so many errors, so many defensive errors, boneheaded shit. Me trying to play out of the back against the full press on EAFC 24, just like bonehead shit. You limit that, life in the Premier League becomes much, much easier. And this is a good step. All right, we move on to the Sunday games. First, I'll give it to you, Liverpool 3, Brentford nil. Yeah, good match here. Um... Stala just continuing his absolute domination so far this year. Um, didn't start until the 39th. He scored in the 39th, added another in the 62nd. Diogo Jota in the 74th. That front line looking more and more threatening. Um, DAA, Simikas back there, uh, both starting. I think Simikas had a good game, played the whole game alongside Van Dyke. Um, TAA subbed off. He's back playing right back and his performances have dropped off because of it, because they, you know, kind of improved their midfield. They've got Wataru Endo in there starting now. Uh, Soboslai, who I think has been good, um, maybe not necessarily the goal-scoring guy they thought he would be. He's still been very, very good. The stats aren't going to show how good uh, he's actually been. Gakpo, bit of a ghost. Again, subbed off. Jota got subbed off. Uh, and then Nunez isn't really scoring much, but... Stala seems to be shouldering all of uh, all the responsibility, really. When Luis Diaz is in the in the side, he scores. Uh, but Jota has been quiet. Nunez has been quiet, and it's been the uh, it's kind of been the the Sala show. Even Van Dyke and Matip, like they've been all right, the the center backs, but nothing crazy really for Liverpool defensively this year. Um, Brentford lined up pretty much the way they normally do. Visa and Buemo up top with Norgard Jensen and Yanel behind them, the Scandinavian three. Um, same thing at the back. Pinnock, Collins, me. They had a five at the back, and it's a flat five, too. Uh, Rorslev and Iyer don't get too far up the pitch. They just couldn't cope. Uh, when you have five at the back and you still can't defend uh, that front three, it should be a testament to how good that front three is. Um, nice to see Jota get on the score sheet. It's been a quiet season for him. But again, it's like every time I watch them, it's just the Mo Salah show. He's fucking immense. He's unstoppable right now. Looks better than Holland. Uh, I think he's probably ahead in goals as well. Uh, and it, 
I believe he's one goal away from entering the top 10 uh, in Premier League scores of all time. So good on Mo and on my fantasy team. Yeah, Salah, 10 goals now this season. Holland's got 13. Uh, oh, okay. Be- Holland is ahead. I believe we both picked Salah to be the golden boot winner this year, too, in our predictions this year. So he's making good way there. Unfortunately, next month, or January, I should say, he's going to be gone with the AFCON. So he's going to be missing yeah. three to four games. So Holland will get that much of a boost on him. Um, but yeah, with this result, Liverpool would leapfrogs Tottenham and Arsenal in the second place on goal differential, only one point behind City. Brentford just cannot get a result at Anfield. Like a lot of teams, it's just really tough. But they have their opportunities. And Buemo had one or two uh, breakaway situations where uh, done a little bit differently. Could have gotten uh, a lead on Liverpool there, but Allison stood strong. Salah's doing his thing. We saw Endo make a nice appearance here. Gave Graven Birch a break. And uh, I think Luis Diaz scored for Colombia this week in international break. And twice. Uh, his, yeah, he scored twice, and his dad was in the crowd too. So it's a nice little way to end that little saga. But, um, yeah, I mean, Liverpool is a team that you'd never want to play, especially at Anfield. We talk about it's the hardest, one of the hardest stadiums to play at um, in all of sports, really. And Thomas Frank has done so much. But couldn't get it done here. They sit 11th. Uh, Tied on points with Chelsea, but behind on goal differential. So they're right where we think they will be at the end of the year as well. Um, we move on. Aston Villa 3, Fulham 1. Villa get themselves nice and snug into fifth position on 25 points. Four points clear of United, who are right behind them in sixth. Fulham with this defeat drop down to 15th, only on 12 points. That is seven above the drop zone. They only have one win in their last six. Started off unfortunate for our boy Anthony Robinson. Getting an own goal, his second own goal this season. John McGinn in the yeah. 42nd, doubling the lead. And then Ollie Watkins in the 64th to cap the day off. Off a of Leon Bailey assist off the bench. And then Raul Jimenez getting his first yeah. goal for the club. First goal in a long time. Assisted by Anthony Robinson in the 70th to end the game there. Um, Villa again. I think they're 6-0 and now at home this season, scoring 23 goals and only giving up five. They have the best home record this season based off of that. How dominant is this Villa team so far? Do you think it just comes down to them playing fodder teams? Um, I think some of it does come down to the fact that they're playing shitters. Um, but in general, they have been like very good. They're very solid at the back. Ezra Kansa has been great. I said he probably deserves an England call-up uh, based on the way he's been playing this year. He's been really good. Uh, Pau Torres, great signing from Villarreal. Then you have Luca Dina, who's... Ex- What's that? I think he did. Kansa did? I think there were late changes due to injuries, and I think he was him, Rico Lewis, and Cole Palmer all got late call-ups. That's great. General Jermaine Palmer. Um Man, I learned something about him that we'll talk about when we get to Chelsea. But his ethnicity or his yeah, yeah, dude, he's not fully white. Saint Kitts was it? He's the whitest guy I've ever seen in my life. Yep. Yeah, and he's got the island swag. I love that. <laughs> it, it makes me like him even more. Um. But yeah, I mean Villa, they've just been really good. Um, it was nice to see the man formerly known as Raul Jimenez get on the score sheet. He's obviously had quite a drop-off in his career in goal-scoring prowess, so I guess that's nice to see. But um, Villa are just... The, the amount of pace and talent they have up front with Watkins and Diaby, that shit is tough to deal with. A lot of people didn't think Diaby uh, would translate into the Prem, but he's honestly been a revelation. He allows you to play um, so much just so many balls that you wouldn't be able to play otherwise because he can catch it. He can get to it. He's good shielding. He's good laying it off. He's good scoring by himself and assisting. Um, I think Diaby is, is part of the linchpin in terms of why, you know, Villa are so good this year. And the stats may not show that, but every single time I watch him streak up a pitch, there is a sense of horror for when Arsenal have to play against Aston Villa. That guy is rapid he is quick the only other player i think is that quick in tight spaces is 
probably Mbappe and maybe Messi still. I don't know. We're not watching him play against real competition. Um, like Tiabi is really, really quick, uh, first touch wise. And I think like just having Watkins as your target, man, he's obviously good with the ball at his feet too, but he's a great striker of the ball. Um, Villa are just impressive this year. I mean, they're good. They have some depth. They have Leon Bailey on the bench. Um, outside of that, it gets a little sketchy. I mean, Zaniolo, he's been decent. Jean Duran has, has done a job uh, a couple of times so far this season. And then Nicolo Zaniolo, who they brought in from uh, Roma. There's going to probably be some gambling stuff that happens with him. Uh, but he's another really good player for depth that, that they brought in. Uh, but we got to say of Fulham, like, I think they obviously miss Mitrovic, and we've said that before. We've also said that their back line is really shit this year. It's really bad. Like, every time I watch them, it's worse. It's terrible. Yeah, negative 10 goal differential. They've scored the second lowest amount of goals with 10. Only only one more than Burnley, who have the fewest. Alex Wobey... I think can be a, a problem solver for them if they just play him higher up. The they have pitch. to play him up, yeah. I think he needs to play the full ninety as well. He's getting like restricted minutes. He came out of this game in the what was it in the seven or the eighty second minute. I think he he's fit enough to play the whole game. He was one of the fittest guys for the Everton squad. He played full nineties week after week, and was a linchpin in that team. I think he can do the same here if he just gains a little bit more trust from from Marco da Silva. So. Yeah, it's it's not looking good for them up top, and that's ultimately going to be what's going to hurt them this year and pull them back into a, a worse off season than they did last year, where they flew high in the early on. So, unless they do the opposite of last year and have a great end of the season, it's just going to be a a um, pretty basic season and just, a, just fighting for safety, get to the summer, and hopefully spend some money. Really, um, okay, we move on to. Brighton against Sheffield. This game ended 1-1. We were, saw Simon Adingra have probably goal of the week here. Um, nice little 1-2 with Buenanote. Uh, took two guys on. Got a quick 1-2 wall pass. Slide in the bottom corner. Great start for Brighton. I would, you would have thought they would have scored 3-4. They've been due to get one of those games out of, out of their system. But wasn't meant to be here because in the 69th minute, uh, uh, Dahoud got a straight red card ultimately killed the team down to 10 men five minutes later adam webster own goal sheffield leave the game with a point on the road that's two games now they get a win and a draw they're in 18th position only one point outside from safety after that eight nil thumping from newcastle and then a few games later five nil lost to, to arsenal yeah, they're one point from safety. Um, I know this is what they want. It's not gonna. They're not looking to finish anywhere past sixteenth. I would say they're just looking. Seventeen is the goal for them. Seventeenth position, and it looks like they're on their way. Yeah, I mean they look better. Um, getting results like this, man, like these are the ones that really count. You need a little bit of luck. I mean, they only had one shot on target. They managed to get the goal from the own goal from Webster, like. Definitely outplayed, for sure outplayed. But possession wasn't as skewed as you would think. It was about 60-40. Um, they just look better. They look a little bit more calmed down. I think that Gustavo Hamer guy is... He can do a job. He's played deeper a couple games, and they've led him through a couple of other games. He's been... I think he's good going forward. And then Cameron Archer scored a couple of really like fantastic goals. For Sheffield already. I'm glad he's in there getting the start. This team is not good. They're not going to be good. But like you said, I think there's a chance they can get to that 17th spot and just kind of cruise. Just you can't get pumped every game you play against really good sides. This is a good start. A point from Brighton, who are a good side. Um, it's it's you know commendable. Brighton in my opinion, I would say, is one of the worst teams at the moment. Their first six games, they had five wins. Their last six games, zero wins. Four draws, two defeats. Four draws, though. But First first time in European competition. You got to cut them some slack. The, a 6-1 loss to Villa, 
a 2-2 draw against Liverpool, a 2-1 loss to City, 1-1 draw to Fulham, 1-1 draw to Everton, 1-1 draw to Sheffield. I don't think you can make excuses for them. I mean, I still think they're a good side. I think they have a lot of talent. I think they have... I believe they're they're the only team this year that hasn't gotten a clean sheet yet. That's believable. That is believable. They've given up 21 goals. But when you're at Sheffield, right? Yeah. Like, going into this game, you qualify them as a good side, right? I do like, too. if you're a every, Sheffield player? Every game, I say Brighton's capable of winning by three. Yeah. Which, is, it's that's very true. Um, but when I say that, I mean, Sheffield will look at this game like, we stayed in it against, you know, be lucky a, to get a, a point. good team. They were lucky to get a point. That's what they would have thought going into it. They wouldn't have expected a win or even probably a draw. They're they're going to be very pleased with that. That's what I mean to say. Yeah, I so, agree. yeah, good on them. Yeah, I mean when you got you got Adam Lallana starting there, Billy Gilmore, Dahoud in behind. I mean their midfield wasn't that uh, frightening. I guess I would say is the word. Matomo off the bench, Shao Pedro off the bench. Again, no Evan Ferguson. You hear all this talk about the guy. He should be playing week after week. You got Ansu Fati, new to the league, getting a start here. There's just too much rotation. I think that's been a talking point for us with Brighton the last three episodes. The The rotation of these teams week after week just is not helping them. And, I mean, if you give me a minute, I'll look up what they're doing in the Europa League, but it's probably not going to be any better at the moment. They're second in their group, tied on, or yeah, they're second in their group with two games to go. Uh, three points clear of Athens, who's in third. I believe they still have to play Marseille again, who's first. So they could be qualifying on for that, and I think they're still in for the League Cup as well. Could be wrong there, but, I mean, they're kind of getting stretched thin. Yeah, sure. So we'll have to see. Um, I guess looking into their next couple games, they... They are at Forest, and then as I mentioned there, they'll be playing at Athens in the Europa League, uh, at Chelsea, and then they get three home games against Brentford, Burnley, and Marseille. To, uh, that's the next month of matches. So a lot of winnable results there, but I mean, if they're not beating Sheffield, if they're not beating Fulham, teams that are really struggling, I can't really support them to get results against the teams that we think are better, or if not level with them. Yeah, that's true. All right, next game I'll give to you. West Ham Forest, 3-2 win for the Hammers late on. Uh, this... These guys are fighters. I mean, we got to give them that. Three straight um, losses, they get a win back under their boot. Under the they thumb. needed it. They needed it bad. Hungry dog. Hungry dog runs faster. They were hungry. Tywo back to full fitness. Elanga, good he, game. Uh, Both... I think he What's hurt up? himself. I saw an article today. He injured himself he, on international. He did. Yeah. He did indeed, but he was at full fitness for this game. Or yeah, at least true, that's what true, they true. that's what they said. Um and he looked like it. Got the goal. Uh got it in the forty fourth. Paquetta obviously struck first in the third. <laughs> nice to see him get on the sheet. Uh Taiwo leveled it, going into halftime. Um Anthony Alonga actually the the goal scorer out of halftime, scored in the sixty third. Then Bowen, <clears throat> who's been in sensational form for West Ham this year. Gets a goal in the 65th. Then our favorite, check-in. I don't even know. He's playing Cam now, but he's not a Cam. He's a center defensive mid. Latches onto one and scores in the 88th. There was a year where Suchek was really, really good. He's yeah. been, again, like very solid this year, kind of playing out of position. I'm, I'm very surprised, but <clears throat> West Ham... I'm I'm losing my voice, I guess. Uh, West Ham, they're they're fighting for every single point. Uh, they're in ninth. They had three consecutive losses. This one gets them back to 17 points in ninth place, two points behind Brighton. They're above Chelsea. Um, I mean, you gotta love it. All the teams in in London right now, outside of no, I guess pretty much every team in London besides Fulham, are are fighting pretty hard. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, we're, we saw a big change here. Antonio on the bench for Bowen playing at the nine. Do you think we'll be seeing this moving forward? Yeah, I do. Um, I the, think... You, you got the form with Kudus, 
Pitketa, yeah. Ward Prowse, all in behind. You get a lot of options there. You can play Ben Rama there. Yeah, it's that four two three one. Like Alvarez and Ward like Ward Prowse slots in and gets a little bit further forward. Alvarez drops in behind. You're really playing a four one one three one. It's it's a complicated formation for a David Moyes led West Ham team to be playing. This reminds me of like early, like mid two thousands Arsenal when they still had Henri and stuff like that. But it's it's super weird for them to be playing this formation. It's very complicated, but they kind of have the right personnel to do it. So you got to give them props. I mean, Zuma hasn't played every game, but when he's played, he's been good. Um, Nottingham Forest have threatening guys like Ilanga and and Awanyi are. If they're on, if they're, if they're playing the way that they can, they're tough to contain. They didn't contain either of them. They still get the win. Something to be said for that for sure. Yeah, I'm a little worried for this Forest team. I would say of all the teams in this area, with the injury to Awanyi, without him, they really struggle going forward. I like the additions of Alanga. Um, I would say Hudson and Doyle as well, but he's got injury issues now. Um, Gibbs waiting behind's nice. The back line does okay. Unfortunately, Matt Turner lost favor, so he'll be riding the bench for probably the next few weeks until he get, regains their trust. But in their next six, they they host Brighton. Everton, and then they're on the road against Fulham Wolves, and then two more home games against Tottenham and Bournemouth up to Christmas. So they have a lot of good matchups for it. The six are at home. We know they do better at home, and only one win in their last six isn't looking the best. So they need to find a way. They're, they're going to be no different than the other teams in this area. Get a couple scrappy wins. I mean, all these teams need to get results like how United is. Just find a way to get a scrappy 1-0 win and you just move on. Yeah. Um. All right. All right. We move on to the last game, the craziest game, the game of the week. Uh, my team, Chelsea, getting a four-four draw against Arm Burner, the, the champions, Man City. Never. I don't know anybody who would have predicted this score line. Um. But wow. Uh. uh missed the entire game because I had my own game, but. Watch the highlights. Oh, man, you missed and, a banger. Yeah, every time I checked my phone, I saw an update. I was like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I saw like 3-2, 4-4. I was like, oh, my God. But, yeah, crazy to start the game. A lot of in, a lot of, a lot of battles in the midfield. But Erling Holland getting a penalty in the 25th. Controversial. He initiated the contact with Cucurella, pulled Cucurella down, and somehow calls on Cucurella again. Um Bangs it in. Instant reply, Thiago Silva in the 29th minute off a corner. But Love I told that. you, big game for Thiago. That's the boy. Uh, he gets it. And then 37th minute, Reese uh, James crossed for a tap-in for Sterling, scoring against his former club. Love that from him. And then back-to-back goals for City in the 46th and 47th. Akanji, goal line header. And then Erling on the back post, making it 3-2. Jack Grealish comes in for Doku in the 60th. We see Gusto and Mudrik come in in the 64th for Enzo and Reese James. Nico Jackson, 67th minute, getting a re- getting a nice little tap in there, uh, about eight yards out. And then daggers to the heart, we think. Rodri in the 86th minute, running off scenes in the away end. But penalty given in the 94th minute. Cole Palmer steps up against his former club, Practices every day, probably on pens on Ederson. Guesses the right way. Bangs it in. 94th minute winner. Calming celebration. That's four goals now for him. All on pens. He's the new Jorginho. Um, Wow. Unbelievable point. Keeps the title race tight. City, though, top with the point here. 28. Top five teams are all within three points. It's looking great going into the Christmas period here. Yeah, it is. Um, Chelsea playing with an unbridled passion. Um, you guys are essentially playing without a goalkeeper as well, which is yep, impressive. That's fair. Uh, fucking, you got you have to send him to the moon. I think seven year contract. Yeah, it's tough. Chelsea have had terrible luck with goalkeepers recently. I mean, Mendy came in for that season. You guys won the Champions League. It looked like the best keeper in the world. Yep. And then he vanished. Yep. Uh, Courtois left. That's our Kepa, last yep. That was your last good keeper. Like seven years uh, ago. Yeah. 
doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it has been. And Keppa is its own sort of saga of nightmares. But surely Keppa would be doing a better job than Bobby. No. Bobby Sanch. You don't think so? You think Keppa's worse? I think they would do about the same. Uh, all right. Well, the, the thing is, is this back line now with Reese James, the Saucy was a great signing. He's actually, I thought, I think been fantastic. Yeah. Um, and Tiago Silva there kind of still, he's, he doesn't play every game. He's obviously older now, but when he's in, he's, he's solid. He hasn't lost any of his ability tactically. Um, just, Definitely lost a bit of pace, which made him so threatening back in the day. But still, backline looks good. Enzo, another guy that if you look at the papers, if you look at the stats, he's off the charts in terms of forward moving play. Like passes play forward, first percentile, just like incredible. And Caicedo, a guy that's never going to get any credit either for the work that he does uh, in the back. This Chelsea team finally looks solid. We th- like w- at the beginning of the year when it was just kind of like Gallagher and Nico Jackson and Mudrick, you were like, these guys are never going to figure it out. There doesn't seem to be any sort of concrete plan. But now after a couple of games, you know, after five, six weeks, Chelsea started to figure it out. And now they're banging goals in. I mean, they, they got a little bit lucky in the Tottenham game, but they stuck with it. They got the win anyway. You got to give them credit for that. And same thing here. Like, they stayed in the game. They never fucking quit. And some of the Chelsea teams from the past couple of years, it seemed like they they had a lack of, of passion. And I know I say passion a lot, but I watched it transform my club from, from dog shit into I'd say a title contender. And these guys have Obviously bought into Potch at this point. Um, and I, I we got to give credit to Cole Palmer. I mean, so so his dad's name is General Jermaine Palmer. He's from oh, wow. St. St. Kitts and Nevis. He's 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 obviously, you know, African-American. That's that's a majority of, of folks down there. Is that where Car- located? I thought Caribbean Isles. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, Caribbean Isles, yeah. Okay, um, you said African, well, I was like. Yeah, he's of African American descent. Well, oh, not wow. not not American, but African descent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So dark skin, black guy, Cole Palmer. If you looked at him, you'd think he's off the streets of, of London, right? Yeah. Like born and bred, family there for forever. I had no idea that that this guy's got some island blood in in him. Well, that would explain. That would exactly would explain a lot of of his passion and his 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 sauce. I don't, I don't, I don't fuck with like these, like Foden. I don't rock with Foden or Grealish. Cole Palmer, he strikes a little bit of a different chord with me, and and City let him go. I think this kid's special. Yeah, bagged him for forty mil. Forty mil nowadays is like a bargain. We're paying one hundred and twenty for Caicedo. That would be the equivalent of buying a prime in Golo Conte if he's fully fit for the year. So. Yeah, it worked out well. Um, happy with the point. Four points in our last two, getting a win against Spurs. And then drawing City is, you can't really ask for much more. We're in the top ten now. Only three points behind Brighton there for potentially a European spot. Um, if we can finish in the top seven, that's great. Um, anything more than that would be phenomenal with this team and under the current circumstances with all the injuries we've had and getting guys fit. So... My question, I guess, to you before we touch on City is, and Kunku was apparently could have made an appearance in this game. We're most likely going to see him in the next one now. Um, who are we playing against? We'll be playing against Newcastle at Newcastle. Uh, the front six in this game, which is our normal front six at the moment, Enzo Fernandez, Caicedo, Gallagher, Sterling, Jackson, Palmer. Who does Nkunku replace? Jackson. So you're saying he plays at the nine? Yeah. I mean, he can. He can play attacking mid. He can play center forward as a false nine, or he can play as a striker. Cause he's, got the, he's got the skills to do all Palmer, of that. Palmer's untouchable right now. You can't take him out. I don't think you could take fucking Connor Gallagher out. He's yeah. been sick. Yeah, he he's plays been that so 10. good. He's a good... He can play the 10 well. He's not afraid to come back and do a bit of the dirty work if guys are caught out. Sterling's your leader in there. So, yeah, I guess he fights Jackson and 
Jackson being a number two super sub can be great. It solves the Broya situation. Uh, yeah. Don't have to play him as much. Mudrick would be coming off the bench. So it gives us a lot of options. And if, if uh, Nkunku can hit the ground running, that would be phenomenal. So, yeah, I think the club's at a good point right now. Um, things can obviously change if you look at it as a one-game season. I think that's where Poch has to take this moving forward. Just each game is its own season. Win the game on the day and you move on. So they've been doing that. The passion's there. 12 games. We have four wins, four draws, four defeats. That's not the record you would say for a top four team, which I don't think is the goal here. I was optimistic predicting them fifth. Right now, I already said seventh would be great at the moment. We got teams like West Ham, Brighton, and Newcastle playing well, and then your conventional big five above them there. Villa is the only odd one in there uh, with the form they're on. So teams will drop down, back down reality. Obviously, that form can't continue for the whole season. It's not going to be like City getting 19 unbeaten run. But, yeah, um, I guess for Man City here, that's a draw here. Two losses in their last six. Um, this is usually where they do drop their points, though, this early on, right before it gets cold. Um, yeah. Do you think this is an issue for them moving forward, or do they not have really anything to worry about? Um, De Bruyne is I, set to come back around the Christmas yeah. period. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a good chance De Bruyne is cooked. Really? Like, he can't get back into it. Basically, I think there's a chance because this was a na- a weird nagging leg injury and he's not young anymore. He's got a ton of miles on him. Even in just the last six or seven years he's been at City, they ran him into the dirt. I think, especially with the way that Pep plays, like he's got a lot of mileage on him. I would not be surprised to see him come back and not be the player that everybody thinks he's going to be right away i Um, think this this one's going to take time and it might he might not ever be that player again in the last three seasons he's missed 28 matches 20 of those 20 of those being this season yeah so last last last... season last season he only missed four and the previous season he missed four but that was due to covid so, so that's a testament to how much he's played in the last two years at his age. This is this. What is he? Third? Is he thirty yet? He's thirty-two. He turns. Yeah. He so turns thirty-three I mean, next year, next summer. That's tough as an attacking mid. I mean, there's been a couple of guys that have played productively enough into their mid-thirties. David Silva comes to mind, and obviously that's really who De Bruyne replaced at City. Um, this but is, it's this is the most pretty severe, rare. Yeah, it's the most severe injury he's he's had up to this point. Currently, he's been out for ninety eight days, and a long time, man. It's only it's going to get around to like a hundred and hundred and ten, hundred and twenty before he's back. So um, we'll see. I don't know. I think out of all players, he's the one. He's still one of the top. I'd say he's still top five in the league, best players. Without yeah, if he's doubt. on his game, no doubt. No question about it. I mean, creativity-wise, finishing-wise. And I still, yeah, I still think they need him to win the league. I think if he's out the remainder of the year, majority of the year, I think they get into a dogfight with Liverpool and Arsenal. Um, if it's just one team they have to compete with, I think they'll be okay. But if they're dealing with two or three teams pushing forward, I don't think City's had to deal with that for a while where they have multiple teams pushing them. So. We'll see. They need the depth. They need the attacking depth because Kovacic and Mateus Nunes aren't going to be those guys this year for them. And relying on Alvarez and Bernardo Silva, I, don't, I think they're, they're great quality players. But still, I think you need a De Bruyne there to get to create the options and the vision that none of those guys have at the moment. So still, yeah. still they're, they're, they're top two in the league, best teams, best goal differential right now with 20, best goal, most goals four with 32. Nothing to worry about for them. Holland's firing off top goal scorer with 13 um, out of their 32 goals in the league so far. So I think they're perfectly fine. I think Ederson picked up an injury, though, with Brazil. I don't know if that was just Man City saying something to make, pull him out from so he doesn't get hurt. But we A might... lot of those guys got injured. Vinny, Vinny Jr. got injured, too, yesterday. That yeah. was yesterday. Yeah, so we might be seeing Ortega in for the next couple of games, potentially. Yeah, fun. We might even see Scotty Carson. Um yeah. So yeah, that's all the games. Uh, moving on to 
best and worst players of the week starting out let's go with the the worst here uh evan you want to start yeah um i'd like to dedicate this one to uh fabio vieira he like tiny little rat portuguese guy who looks somehow even rattier than bruno fernandez um yeah he's gotta go get him out of the club uh want nothing to do with him waste of a signing waste of a bench spot when he's not starting should never be starting by the way uh surely there is somebody that we can bring in you know another player from the uh academy and you know just kind of bring him in uh actually there was a player that we could have kept and sold this guy on his name is uh faller and balligan and he's still cooking in league one Yep, unlucky. We love to see that for the international boys. Uh, for me, I'm gonna. It's tough. There weren't too many bad performances. I'm gonna have to go with. I guess just Fabian Share for Newcastle. Yeah. Not too fair to him. He did have an injury in this game. Almost. He was grabbing his hamstring. They were checking him out, but he came back in. They didn't have really anybody to come in for him. So, I don't know. He just wasn't on his day. Wasn't the best performance. Losing to Bournemouth is not good. But, yeah, Newcastle overall in a tough position there. Um, going into the best player here by Eli. I'm the best, man. I did it. Uh. What are you saying? Who's your best player here? Uh, I'm going to give it, strangely enough, I'm going to give this to Manuel Akanji. Uh, I'd, I'd love to, to go with a Chelsea player here. But I just have to say, over the last couple of weeks, it's kind of been building up. Akanji continually finds himself in key positions in the attack. I don't know. John Stones kind of used to do this too when he was playing center back. He'd get further up the pitch progressively. Akanji scored a couple of goals so far this season. He's really good defensively. Didn't always get a ton of time in the team, but has become like a, a stalwart. Um... I, I got to give it to him. That goal, you know, right in like stoppage time of the first half, like huge, just like really got them level. They got the, they were level at half, huge t turning point for them. Um, and I just think, I think he's a top class center back. And honestly, people don't really talk about it all that much. They like to talk about the offense on city. Uh, Akanji has been like a complete revelation this year. Saved him a couple of times, goal line clearances, goals themselves, really impressive stuff. Yeah, mine's a no-brainer. Got to go Paolo Sarabia, start off the week. Yeah. Uh, getting a massive 2-1 win for his team over Spurs. 10-minute appearance for him. Got a goal in the 91st, assist in the 97th for the winner. Uh, has really struggled to get uh, a good run in this team. Maybe not one of the top priorities for Gary O'Neill, but given a strong case for him to get more play time with this performance to get them out of a hole. So, yeah, that's definitely my best player of the week. All right, um, next week we won't have anything to recap. I think since it's Thanksgiving, uh, maybe potentially a segment here. We could run through each team, something that they should be thankful for. I don't know, just an idea. And then we're going to obviously do our predictions for game week 13. So um, that probably will be, be a little bit earlier in the week. I'm off Wednesday, so we can go for that at the yeah. afternoon or something, whatever. But... Yeah, make sure to follow us on our socials at Post20Pod. Uh, follow us on the streaming platforms on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. That's where you can hear all past, future, and current episode or future episodes. Um, yeah, that's really it. Um, Evan, anything else to close? Nah, that's it. Uh, fuck City forever. They should be relegated to non-league football. That's it. Yeah, we'll hear any. We'll let you know, guys, on any updates for the following week with the Everton situation and potentially what that could mean for Chelsea and City moving forward. So, until then, take care, have a good one, and we'll see you next time.